Happy Mother's Day. If you're a mom and you're here, would you please stand? We would love to honor you, cheer for you. And so look at all these moms. We are grateful for the role that you've all played. And so we hope today is an especially enjoyable day for all of you moms. We're actually doing a child dedication, and so we have uh, many children that are in here with their parents. And so um, this was a common practice for parents in Bible times to travel as parents to the temple and to ask the priest to bless their child. I'm not a priest, um, but there is a symbolic significance in what we're going to do this morning. And so I'm really glad you've come to, to share in that. I know many of you are here to support family members who are dedicating their kids. Um, but I want to show you a, pre- a passage of Scripture. I draw your attention to this. This is 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 25 through 27. Just so you know, we've got a lot of kids in here. It just adds to the experience, and so enjoy it. <laughs> you know, enjoy it. But it says, These two parents, they brought the boy to Eli. That's the name of the priest. And the mom, she said to Eli, the priest, she said, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. She said, I prayed for this child. And the Lord had granted me what I asked of him. She had prayed. She kept going to that temple, praying and asking God to bless her with a child. And if you look at the very next verse, she says, she's giving him back. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. This boy, his name was Samuel. And he would grow to be one of the most significant Bible characters. And it must have been painful for his mom, Hannah, to come and actually offer um, Samuel to be raised there in the temple, to serve there. Lifelong service, and he was a remarkable man. You can read about his life in that book for Samuel. You can read about just some of the um, leadership responsibilities that he um, carried. Um, but Hannah's prayer, she's, she basically saw God answer her prayer for a child, and God answered that. Now, he, or now she was giving her son now back to, to the Lord. You would think, moms that you know, at about age three when this is occurring, that she wouldn't want to do this, that she would not want to you know, give her son to uh, the Lord's service. And so, but if you read in the next chapter, we're not going to get into it, she's really just, just pure joy looking at this experience. She's just excited about what God is going to do in this man's life. The truth is, who knows what God will do in the lives of these little ones in our church? Who knows what God can do through them, in them? Each of our lives, we're a part of a greater story. And so, as you know, if you're a parent, as you're parenting, we only partially get to see things. You know, we see things from this side. We don't see the whole story laid out. God knows the whole story. He shows us more and more of His ways over time as we trust Him. Um, but this is a really exciting opportunity for us, for parents to, to choose to dedicate their children to the Lord. I'm going to explain what that means. Um, but I'd like to invite the parents to come up here that have... Um, signed up to be a part of this dedication. And go ahead and come forward and bring your children with you, child or children with you. And you could just kind of form two groups, just just some of you over here and some of you over here. And I'm going to give each group a microphone. Can you hold that, Daniel? And this really is more of a parent dedication as well because parents were really um, asking you to make some commitments. Um, so the first thing is I'd like to just have parents introduce 
um, their, their children that you have. And so I'm going to bring up some photos. And so if you see your photo, that means you're on. So introduce yourself and your child. That's us. Um, I'm Gavin. This is my wife, Jen. This is Calvin J. Andrew. He's five months old yesterday. All right. And you may need to move closer to the mic because I don't know how far this will get, just so you know. Uh, my name is John. This is my wife, Rachel. And this is our little girl, Emma Ann. She's eight months. I'm Cody, and this is my wife, Cassie, and this is Silas James, and he's three months and a couple weeks. My name is Christy Jones, and I have Kayla, who's 13 years old. I have Jordan. He's soon to be 10 this month, and also Cameron Jones. He's soon to be seven. All right. Great. I'm John, this is my wife Whitney, and this is Bryn, seven months. Great. My name's Taylor, my wife Brittany, and this is our daughter Nora, who's nine months. (laughs) Hi, my name's Sandra Perkins. Um, I've got my daughter Catherine, who's 12, and my youngest Marissa, who's seven. Great, great. That's great. My name is Daniel Terrell. This is Elsa Terrell. Our daughter is 10 months old. Her name is Olivia Terrell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, uh, we are encouraged that all of you would want to come and be part. Oh, 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 hey. hey. Sorry. Uh, I'm Sean. This is Cindy. And this is our uh, four-week-old Audrey. Oh. Four Tuesday. Four Tuesday. (laughs) Wow. Just a little one. Well, parents, uh, in this dedication, you are first acknowledging that your child really belongs to God and that you've been given this precious um, gift as a stewardship, something that you're to, uh, you've been entrusted with a responsibility here. So that's the first thing is uh, your children belong to God. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is what we're doing is we're asking you to give your child back to, to the Lord, to the Lord, to accomplish God's purpose and will for them. And then third Really, this is a ceremony you're entrusting your children to the Lord's care and protection. And so that's what this involves. And so I want to ask you to make a commitment before God and the congregation by responding to these questions you see up on the screen with I will. And all of you have already received these questions, and so this is something you've been considering committing to the Lord. So first question, and you can just respond with we will, is will you acknowledge that your child belongs to the Lord for the rest of their days on earth, however many days he has planned for them? And then secondly, will you dedicate your child to accomplishing God's will and purpose in their life? And then also, do you entrust them to God's care and protection? Parents, you've been given three major responsibilities. Ephesians chapter 6 lays this out. This is a passage of Scripture to really try to understand as, as a parent. It says this, Paul writes, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. To see that the, the responsibility of parents teaching or training our children to, to obey us as parents, it really, it's, it's bigger than just us and them. Sometimes when our kids disobey, we get, we get all, all twisted up over it because we, we get frustrated, we get hurt. But really, the issue is much larger. It's really that there's, 
the issue of obedience is really to the Lord. And so when a child disobeys us, you know, at, at this age, at three months or seven months or what, you know, a very, very different issue. Very different issue. But as they get older, three years, four years, five years, and when they start exercising a will, a stubborn will, and when they, when they disobey, it's bigger than just them disobeying us. It's about them disobeying God. And so us connecting the dots that, you know, our training and obedience is really because we care about them following God. So this says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. There's a promise there for obedience. Fathers, it says, do not exasperate your children. That's when we wear them down to where they're just like, Ugh. we can do that as dads. So there's a certain level of, of loving leadership that parents we need to exert. But don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. So to summarize that, parent, God, God expects you to do these three things. One is to love your child with an unfailing love. Loving them with an unfailing love requires a relationship. That, that you would build a relationship with your children through the years and that they would have a heart to adopt the values that they've seen you live out. And so build a relationship with your kids. Get to know them. Remember the role you play is not, you're not uh, to be best friend, but build a relationship, a relationship of love. Secondly, discipline. The passage lays out that in a loving atmosphere, first you establish an atmosphere of love. Then, because you love them, you discipline because your children need to learn the consequences of, of foolish behavior. They need to understand the consequences of sin. And then last, building wisdom into their life. That's a very important part of your role. Is to train. So parents, in light of these, here's three more questions for you. Parents, will you commit to love your child with a love that will not fail? And then will you discipline your child out of love for them? And then last, will you strive to build wisdom in them through your example and through your teaching? All right. And to the congregation, this for us is an opportunity to support, to encourage, to pray for, to babysit, <laughs> to hold up. <laughs> and parenting is a very tiring thing. It's a very long, and, and many of you are just starting out with that journey. Some of you have been out for, for longer, and so keep going. We want to encourage you to keep going. We're, we are as a church to be operating like a family who, who functions supporting one another. Helping each other. And so you're not in this alone. And so we're here to say we support you. And so let's pray for, for these parents as they dedicate their children. So let's pray for them together. Father, we just thank you for this time. We love you. We are so grateful, Lord, that we we're able to do this. And that these parents right now have decided to dedicate their children back to you. Just saying, God, these children that you've entrusted to me or, or to us are yours. Lord, we ask you to protect these kids. We pray that these kids... Lord, that you would draw them into a real relationship with yourself and that they would all come to know you, Lord. And that God would use, that you would use them to make a real difference for the kingdom of God. Lord, strengthen these parents, encourage them. Lord, help them to keep going when they're tired. Lord, help them not to give up, Lord, in their role. Help them to experience the support that we as a church can offer them. Um, so we love you, God, and we commit them to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for coming up. We actually have some dads or certificates here. Armstrongs, Jones. I got a certificate for you guys. Flannery. There you go. Thanks, Christy. Oh, wait. Here we go. A couple more.
Perkins. There they are. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. It's a lot of fun for the for everyone just to be able to see the kids, the congregation come up. So, well, this morning we're in the middle of a message series where we're talking about the the fight, the spiritual fight that we find ourselves in if we decide to follow Christ. So if you have decided at some point in your life to, to become a Christ follower, you, you find yourself right in the middle of a, of a battle, of a war. And so we've been looking at this theme. You can check it out on our website if you want to kind of get some background info on what we're talking about. But it's, there's, there's different enemies that we find out that we're battling against. And if you'd like, you can follow along on our listening guide that we have. But we find in the Scripture that we battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And three very strategic enemies that we, that we find ourselves at war with in the Christian life. And so there's this very strong pull on our lives. And if you've ever been to the beach before here in Southern California, there's almost always a strong current. Anytime I get in the water and I'm paddling around, I'll check the lifeguard tower of where I'm at. And I'll say, okay, I'm at lifeguard tower 13. And after a few hours of being out there, I'm usually, you know, several lifeguard towers down. And there's some guys that are, you know, they're just that good that they're strong enough to stay right at their tower. But for me, I'm like, I don't care. I'll just drift with the current. It pulls me along. And before I know it, and usually without knowing it, I'm a few towers down. I'm like, where's my stuff? Where's my family? You know, and they're way up the beach. It's because there's this strong pull. In the very same way, we have this very strong pull on our own lives. We get pulled by our culture. And so we're looking at the, the enemy of the world. And, and really, I want to define the enemy of the world as this. It's at the top of your listening guide. When we say the world is the enemy, this is what I mean. is the aggressive and persuasive system. Meaning the beliefs, the goals, the methods, the standards, the values of the world. All of those things that seem normal to us. And yet, they really appeal to us at the same time. That's, that's what I mean by the world. The culture around us and the ways of the culture. That's how the, the Scripture really defines the world when we're talking in these terms. So Paul writes and he says this in Colossians 2.8. He, he warns the church. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. They just leave Jesus out. See, Paul, he's warning this group this group, this, this church right smack in the middle of a Roman province, this, this small church that's forming and trying to make some traction, it's, it's trying to do that, but it finds itself surrounded by a secular culture, a secular Roman culture. And so because of that, they had a battle against Roman ways of thinking, secular ways of thinking that really ran in opposition to the world. And so Paul says, hey, be careful. If you're not careful... You may be captured. Not just your thinking, but you, he says, may be taken captive by the ways, these hollow, which were, the word just means empty, the hollow ways of the world. Now, parents and moms, this is probably a great concern of yours as you're raising your kids. This verse, this idea that, hey, the world is moving in a certain direction and I'm raising kids in, a, in, a, in an environment 
that I don't necessarily agree with the ways of the world. And so this is something probably that you've considered as parents. But it seems so normal. So Paul says, hey, don't get caught up in it. They leave Christ out, but don't get caught up in it. And the, the reason why it seems so normal and it's so easy for us to get entangled in the pull, the strong pull of our world is because of this. Before conversion, meaning if you, if you decided to follow Christ before you did, before you decided to follow Christ, the ways of the world were the norm for us. That's just normal. That's just the way we thought. That's the way we did life. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Ephesians 2 verse 1 writes, Paul writes to a church really close, same uh, modern day Turkey. Church of Ephesus, he writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. You see, he's saying, we don't just become spiritually dead. This is who we were. We were dead. We don't become spiritually dead because we do sin. But before Christ, we are spiritually dead because we have a sinful nature. And until we yield our lives to Jesus Christ, we're in that old, dead, sinful nature. They have this show right now being broadcast. It's called The Walking Dead, right? The Walking Dead. It's kind of like what I picture him writing about here. He was saying that we were walking around. You see life, but inside you're dead spiritually. This is the way you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, which is that system that opposed God, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The commander of the world is Satan. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3 says, all of us also lived among them at one time before conversion. This is what we did. We were gratifying, he says, the desires or the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. This was just normal. This is how we did life. This might even be how you operate right now. And he says, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. In these verses, we see all three of the enemies we've been looking at. We see the flesh gratifying the desires of our sinful nature. That's the flesh. We see the world, just the idea of the direction being set. And then we see the enemy himself, the devil. Paul is saying, all of these things, apart from Christ and before knowing Christ, these were our allies. The, we, we, it wasn't just that we were aware of them, but we were on their team, in a sense, moving in opposition to God. And because of that, we were objects of God's wrath. Before conversion, the Scripture teaches this, that the ways of the world were our ways. It's just Those were our ways. Those were natural to us. And because of that, we are objects of God's wrath, meaning His, His eternal judgment and condemnation. This, this passage paints a very hopeless picture of life without a Savior. Parents, again, this is, this is the prayer for many of you I know. is God, would you help my child to come to know you, to be rescued from, from their sinful state and, and cross over from death to life. That's the prayer. But also we pray, God, would you help develop in them not just... You know, just a a response to you because they're frustrated or because that's what their family does, but that that would develop within their heart, that they would follow after God from the heart. But this, th- these verses we've looked at are kind of bad news. They're, they are very bad news. The next two verses actually give us the good news. If you're here and you're thinking, wow, these verses lay out my life to some degree, the next two verses tells us what God's answer is to our problem. It says, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ. 
even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I'm not sure where you stand with God. I would say this to you, though. If you, if you feel like, you know, I've, I feel like my life is just running on a different track. I'm just, I've decided to, to do life my own way, independent from God. And I'm still moving in that direction. And occasionally I might stop and look around, but by and large I'm moving in a direction opposite to God and His ways. If, that's, if that describes you, we would love to help you come to know Christ. We would love to help you understand what it means to follow Him. And two things I suggest is come and talk with one of our staff members at the guest info table right after service. Or second, attend that Discovering Faith Dinner. You can sign up on that connection card. We'll just lay out what it means for, for a person to follow Christ. We'll define Christianity. And we'll want to, we want to allow you to hear some stories of adults in our congregation who became Christians they, as adults, which is really, I think, a unique thing to hear people's stories about why they decided to follow Christ, what their life was like before, and then what, how it's changed. But if you've already become a Christian, then here's what the Bible teaches about the world, is that after conversion, our relationship to the world, it changes. Look at how Jesus prayed for his followers. He said, he prayed to God, he, he prayed to the Father, he said, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. See, they don't belong anymore. Verse 15 says, My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. You see, he chose not to just transport Christians to heaven, but he's left Christ followers here. He has a purpose for our lives. And it continues on in verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And he says, sanctify them, which that means set them apart or for a special use. Sanctify them by the truth. Your world, your word is truth. So again, we are in the world, Scripture teaches, but we're not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Meaning we don't belong here, but we're here for a season. We're passing through the world that we live in and the strong pull. It's not going to define us. Also, unfortunately, the world has still great appeal to our hearts. We find that its ways... And the pull, the current of our culture, it just strongly pulls at us. And we, we want to cave. We, we feel the pull. And who's behind all this? Is it the Republicans? Is it the Democrats? Is it, is it some political figure? Is it some conspiracy? I've had people tell me all sorts of conspiracies about this wealthy family that rules the world. Is it them? Scripture reveals that Satan is actually the ruler of this world and he sets the agenda. He sets the direction. He's, he's, it's like he's driving the ship and we, the world is moving in a certain direction and he's, he's captain of the ship. And, and it's very easy for us to get pulled along. We're going to look at the role that Satan plays specifically next week. I invite you to come back and, and learn more about how to battle against him as, as another enemy that we face. But it's important that we get clear on who the enemies really are and who's steering the direction here because otherwise we might minimize this enemy. We might minimize this and think, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal for me to get entangled with the world. But we need to battle against it. Here's how we deal with the world. First, we let God transform our views and our perspective as we learn and understand how His ways and His thoughts contrast with the world. There's just a difference between what God says and the way the world moves, the direction the world moves in. So Paul writes this, he says to the church in Rome, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
this strong current pulling our lives. But be transformed, the word transform, where we get the word metamorphosis, to be changed from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we live in the world and we take in all of this information about how life works. And we, the world is teaching us about how life works. And so what, God, what Paul is saying is we need to allow God to reprogram our mind. We need to let God, through His Word, the Bible, lead us out of the dark ways of the world's thinking. This is our map. This is how we find our way out. As you take Scripture in, as you build your life on it, we learn about who God is. This is where God reveals who He is. This is where God reveals who we are. This is where God reveals about eternity and about decisions. This is where God teaches us about relationships. And the more we turn to His Word, the more we apply it, the more that we see the difference between His ways and the world's ways. It's, it's a strong contrast as you get into it and as you apply it. The proof that His ways are right and that His ways are true, however, are only found for us when we apply them. Because look what the Scripture teaches. He says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. After you begin the process of renewing that transformation process, then, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The proof that His ways are right and best, it comes after. It comes as we obey, as we apply. God reminds His people all throughout the Scriptures about His ways and our ways or the world's ways and how different. Look at Isaiah 55. He writes through the prophet Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. They're just very different. He says, Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways so much higher than your ways and my thoughts, he says, than your thoughts. We're just very, very different in our thinking. And in the world's approach, there's a huge contrast. But the process comes as we get into the Scripture, as we get to know the Lord through what He says, and we agree, wow, that's true. And we recognize as we get into Scripture regularly, we learn something, we apply it, then we see that, wow, the world is very different. It's not until we get into it that we recognize there's a difference in, in the way that the world thinks. If we don't ever get into the world, to the Word of God, and this process of renewing our mind doesn't happen, we don't recognize there is a difference, then we just get pulled along by our culture. And it's so normal. It's just like going to the beach, where you don't realize it. You're just getting pulled along. And all of a sudden, years go by, and you've built your life on something far from what God would want. The second primary perspective to keep in mind when dealing with the world is this. To fit in, but not cave in to the world's pressure to conform. And that's tricky. How do you fit in, but not cave in to the world's pressure? This takes careful thought. It takes prayer. Peter writes this to the church. And in his letter, he's just dealt with how Christ followers should relate to authority. Like, how do you relate to people in authority, like the government? How do you relate to authority in the home? How do you relate to spiritual authority? How do you even relate to enemies? You see, the world lays out a pattern. There's this strong pull or current of the world when it comes to how do you relate to people. And Peter says that's, that's going to have to change. Christ followers need to relate in this way. He, he contrasts once again. But then he writes this. He says, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Meaning, keeping your heart, keep your heart attention to Christ. Add attention to Christ. Just keep in mind, He's Master. He's Boss. Set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone 
or to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You interact with the person and you realize, wow, he's very different. He seems normal, but he's very different. He or she, they, they, they somehow fit into this world, but they do life so different. Why is that? Christ followers have an opportunity to give the reason for the hope that we have. Give a reason for the different life that you have. But then the Scripture reads, it says, but do this whenever you give your reason for why you live life differently, for why you're not caving in, but how you fit in. Do this with gentleness and respect. You see, we can stand out from the culture in a way that's really annoying as Christ followers. We can be really annoying from head to toe. We can be arrogant. We can be judging. And we can stand out in the wrong way for the wrong reasons, or we can stand out and and create a curiosity in people to where they want to know more. They want to know why. They become curious to learn more about the God that we serve. So we need to navigate this carefully through prayer and careful thought. How to keep Christ as Lord, giving the answer or giving the reason for the hope that we have, doing it with gentleness and respect. Verse 16 says, but keep a, a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're called to be salt and light. Jesus, he talked about this. Matthew 5, we read, we're to be salt and light. People who contribute as we display and discuss the Lord. There's to be this, again, a, a recognition that people who follow Christ do life different. Jesus writes, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Salt was a preservative, primarily, back then. He says, it is no longer good for anything if it loses its saltiness, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You see, we have a distinct purpose. We, we can have an impact in the world around us, and especially in the lives of the people who are close to us. You see, our lives have been sprinkled throughout neighborhoods. You live, you live on blocks, or you live, you, you live near others. You work near people. Our lives are sprinkled throughout this community, throughout this city, throughout this area. And God has done that intentionally so that as we draw close to people and as we live the life before them, displaying who God is before them, that they become curious about the God that we serve. Then Jesus says, in the same way, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. But if, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Hold on, I'm going to back up. Yeah, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on its stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Again, we're to display the Lord through our lifestyle and then through the reasons we give, through the things that we discuss in our words, in our deeds. We display the Lord. We discuss who He is. We do this so that they may see, the people around us, the people that are close to us, that their lives rub up against our lives, that they may see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. And some of you might even be here today because of that. Maybe you're here because you interacted with someone who lived the Christian life before you and you thought, wow, they're kind of a normal person, but they're different. And maybe you even yielded your life to Christ because you got close to someone who who you saw lived very different than the world. And you thought, hey, again, yeah, they're normal, but there's something different about them. If, if you follow Jesus, this is to be part of our aim. This should be occurring in our lives as people draw close to us that they would say, wow, there's something different and I want to know what that is. Also, we're instructed to do this. 
So stay free from the love of the world. First John chapter 2. We're to, we're to not get, again, captured by the world and what the world offers. In this book, we read a series of tests. These are tests that John writes that help us determine whether or not we really have come to know Jesus and that we have life. We've, we possess eternal life. And so one of the tests that John reveals in, in his letter here is the test of loving the world. He says that loving the world is, is not loving the world is, is a test. It's proof that you have eternal life. So John writes this. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And when I think of the word love, I think of things that I love like, you know, and I, I can lump things in together. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love, I love a soda sometimes. You know, and so what that does, I love pizza too at times, you know, and what that does is it diminishes what I say love, doesn't it? And so when, when we're looking at this word love, don't think in terms of soda, pizza, food. Think in terms of our deepest and most compelling emotions. What will build our lives around even? What will wrap our hearts around? Do not love, he says, the world, the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, this is a proof of eternal life. Sometimes we get lured into worldly things, but it turns out we end up hating those things. We fall back into old ways and we realize, that's, I don't love that anymore. I used to love that. I don't love that anymore. Again, that's proof of life. Romans chapter 7. We looked briefly at this last week. The flesh battling with the Spirit inside of us. And so there's this struggle that we face. But this, this shift happens where we begin to really love the world less. And we actually begin to despise the old ways because Christ plants within us a love for God and His ways. And there's a, there's this, there begins to become this, this bad taste of the old. Look at what verse 16 says. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. These are all three things that we get caught up in our passions that we want to indulge, or just the yearning to buy the things that we think are beautiful but then never satisfy, or just bragging about all the stuff we've ever done or what we've experienced. He says, that's all the world's ways. He says, those are the old ways. Those don't come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but the man who does the will of God, he lives forever. Let's be honest. We can feel the pull of the world practically daily. And, but John, he just reminds us, hey, if you're a Christ follower, accept a greater calling in life and just let those things go that are out of bounds. Let those things pass. Don't keep chasing back after those things. They won't satisfy. We're in a spiritual fight. Many of us, we're tempted to just throw in the towel because, because the fight is so intense and maybe the battle is of the, you know, in the flesh, there's a real battle. And then other times you just feel the strong pull of the world and because of these different enemies that we face, we're tempted to just throw in the towel far too early and never really see what God could have done in us or through us if we just hung in there and kept walking with Him and kept fighting this good fight. So our encouragement for you is to keep going, to not give up. We showed a clip last service. We're not going to show it again this service. It's just it's because it was two minutes long of a clip and the, the only relevant part was like the last five seconds. So I'm like, I'll just, Lord of the Rings... There's this, a friend strengthening another friend who is really getting weary. One of the friends is ready to give up with this 
task that he's been assigned. And he's ready to give up. And his other friend comes alongside him and he just says, look, there's, there's still some good things in this world worth fighting for. And he comes alongside his friend and he strengthens him. And we need to be a group of people who do not get tired, who do not just give in to our discouragement. I'm going to correct that. We will get tired, but in our tiredness, that we would just keep going, that we wouldn't give in to the discouragement, that we wouldn't get distracted and give up, but that we would strengthen each other in the Lord. And that as God is watching us, that He would see in us a group of people who are allowing Him to keep transforming us so that we can be a part of helping to transform the culture that we live in. That we wouldn't just be pulled along and swept away by the, by the culture, but that we'd be a part of helping to redeem parts of the culture and then transform what can be transformed. Because God has not surrendered this culture to the enemy and his troops you know, he, he has allowed certain amount of power, but he's given us the opportunity to be a part of transforming this, this culture. And so, don't quit. Don't turn back. I want to invite the band to come up. And I'd like to invite you to take out that connection card. And on the back of the connection card, you see there's some next steps. We like to lay out next steps because it helps us put into practice the things that God is teaching us. And it's very important to put things into practice. Jesus made a huge emphasis on the fact that you want to build your life on the words of God. The, you know, the person who decides to build their lives on God's words and actually puts God's words into practice is the person whose life can stand up against the pressures that come, the things that we face. It's for those that practice the Word of God. Not just those who hear the Word of God, but it's for those who hear the Word and then put it into practice. That's where the strength to live the life comes. So that's why we take time to do these next steps each week. The first one is memorizing a verse, memorizing Romans 12.2. That passage about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'd encourage you to memorize that verse. Or second, ask God to show you warped perspective that just seems normal. Maybe there's some things that we, we find out that we're building our lives upon that are they're twisted. Because we've get, we got caught up somewhere down back, you know, in our past. We got caught up building on a faulty perspective. And so that warped perspective has developed a life that we're living. And maybe there's some things in your life that you would just say, God, would you show me anything in my life that is twisted, somewhat warped, and it's just become normal. But maybe you want to change that even now at my age, whatever age you are, that you just say, God, if you want to change some things even now, I give you the freedom to do that. The third thing is, to honor those who have helped you find your way in this world. This might be your mom. This might be even your dad. This might be a good friend. It may be a mentor in your life. Honor those who've helped you not get caught up in the pool of the world, but maybe, maybe they, they, ought, they got in your way in life and they, they helped you come to know Jesus Christ. And so, Also, I just on the back while you have that out, if, if you would like to attend that Discovering Faith Dinner, if you've not yet decided to follow Christ and you want to learn more about what that means. And here's some stories. There won't be any pressure. It's not a high sales event. It's just a dinner to come and learn and to just to sort through whether or not you're ready to follow Christ for yourself. But you will not be put on the spot to do anything in that time. You, you will have the opportunity if you'd like to do that, though. So you can check in the middle column, sign me up for the Discovering Faith Dinner. In a moment, we're going to be receiving this morning's tithes and offerings. And so for the ushers, you guys can go ahead and get ready for that. And I'm going to pray as we continue. Father, we, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and how it helps us to find our way in this world. 
Lord, as we looked at, the world is being is pulling us and pulling culture in a certain direction, in a direction that was, has been set that's in opposition to God. And so, Lord, help us to be wise to the ways of this world, to know the difference between the world's ways and your ways. God, help us to get into the Bible for ourselves, to get to know you for ourselves. And Lord, would you lead us through this life that we're living? Would you strengthen us, God, today? Lord, help us to take courage in you this morning, this week, as we step back into our workplaces, into our families, into conflict, into different things that we are dealing with right now. Lord, I pray you give us the strength, Lord, to just take courage in you, to not give up, to keep fighting this good fight. Lord, we love you. Again, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for the investment they have made in our lives. For those also that have um, just come alongside us and helped us grow, Lord, we pray you bless them, God. We ask you to bless this offering as we give back a portion of what you've entrusted to us, Lord. I ask that you'd bless it and help Help us, God, as a congregation to be able to continue to serve this community, to reach more families who are far from you, Lord, that they might also connect with you and that life might open up for them. Lord, we love you. We just thank you for this time that we've been able to share together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.